worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Maybe you've heard that line before. It's often used in worship as a lead-in to the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of a prompt that signals the congregation that get ready, we're going to pray together now. And it also echoes a verse from our gospel passage for today when Jesus' disciples request that he would teach them how to pray. So these disciples had now just observed Jesus praying in a certain place, which he does quite a bit of in Luke's gospel. And they seemed to be curious and intrigued. There must have been something very compelling about watching Jesus pray. So they want to know how they, too, can engage in this sort of communion with God. They want to um, set apart time and space like Jesus did to speak and to listen to God. Perhaps they're wondering how to do this respectfully and effectively and faithfully. So they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Have you ever made such a request to Jesus? And is that request a prayer in itself? Teach us. Teach me. I know that many of us have sought insight on prayer from other teachers. For example, many of us have studied the Lord's Prayer in confirmation, guided by Martin Luther's small catechism, 
and that series of brief explanations and answers to the question, what does this mean? Perhaps we've read books and articles on prayer. I hope we've all had opportunities to engage in various kinds of prayer practices because the Christian tradition is rich with them. As disciples of a great and praying teacher in Jesus, we too then are all students of prayer. But what kind of students are we? Are we the eager ones? The ones learning and practicing with enthusiasm, excited to use these new tools in our experience of prayer to deepen our relationship with God? So in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, ever the great spiritual teacher, responds to this request, Lord, teach us to pray. And he responds by first teaching them some words that they can say. When you pray, say this. And yet, I get the sense that when Jesus gives this instruction, it wasn't really intended simply to be a formula that they should commit to memory and then recite on cue. I have a sense that Jesus' teaching on prayer is much more than that. My sense is that each one of these brief, simple lines is meant to be expanded into a heartfelt and mindful intention uh, that one can use to center prayer and praise and pleas and petitions. And to be honest, I do sometimes wonder about this when we pray together in worship. Are we simply reciting a formula together on cue, reading off the screen the words in yellow because we're supposed to say the words in yellow? Perhaps I wonder because I'm guilty of this too, especially when as the one who's leading worship, I might be saying a prayer um, with my mind already on what comes next and where do I need to move to and do I have what I need for the next part of the service and my mouth is praying, but perhaps my heart and my mind are not and is that even prayer? So yes, Lord, teach us to pray. And teach us not only what to say, because now that Jesus' words in our gospel text have been established, we have these lovely words. So Lord, teach us not only what to say, but how to pray. How to quiet the thoughts of our minds and orient our hearts, along with our voices, toward you. Teach us how to approach God, how to intentionally come into God's presence respectfully and effectively and faithfully. So for the how of prayer, Jesus invites us to imagine for a moment. Suppose, he says, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go and pound on this guy's door in the middle of the night, asking for bread for a late-arriving house guest. And he says, understandably, go away. Prayer is like that. Jesus concludes. But in what way? I have to say that I was kind of troubled by this parable for most of the week, wondering what a grumpy old man in bed had in common with God who hears our prayers and grants annoying requests, I guess. It just wasn't really meshing in my mind. But I finally found some clarity and realized that this parable just isn't really about the response of the friend. This parable is about the disposition of the asker the you. You go to this friend because you have a need and you have the kind of relationship that allows you to make this ask without guilt or shame. 
So think of the friends in your life. When you're going through a tough spot, probably more complicated than being short three loaves of bread in the middle of the night, something, something a little more than that. But there might be one friend or maybe two, if you're extremely blessed, that you can call on for help. There will be lots of friends and maybe even some acquaintances who say, let me know if you need anything. Because they want to help and they don't really know how. But then there's that one friend who says, really, I want you to call me if there's anything I can do. And they say that while dropping off a meal or folding your laundry. And you would turn to them because even if it was a big ask, you have that kind of relationship that would allow you to just ask without any guilt or shame. That's trust. That's trusting the person and that's trusting in the strength of the relationship. And Jesus says that is how you should pray. You should pray trusting that when we ask a God for daily bread, for the satisfaction of our physical needs, or when we ask God for forgiveness for our sins and reconciliation uh, for those with whom we have maybe been in conflict or in tension, when we ask for protection and guidance away from the time of trial, even though it's a lot to ask, we pray trusting that God really does want to provide it for us, not only because of his great power, but because of profound love. Trusting the hearer, God, that's a foundational part of prayer. And so I have one more thought from this week on trust that I wanted to leave with you this morning, and that is that in our prayers, of course, we ask for what we need and we ask for what we want. But especially when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, do we really want what we ask for? So what I'm thinking of specifically is in verse 2 where Jesus teaches us to say, Your kingdom come. We pray that God's kingdom would come among us. It's an acknowledgement that the way things are now is not what God intends for our world. When we pray that God would reign and that God's will would be done on earth as in heaven, we pray that God's intentions for creation and for all humanity would be fulfilled. But do we want that? It's a valid question for all of us who are pretty content with the ways of the world. For all of us who are pretty comfortable with the lives that we've built for ourselves. Because these words are a prayer that this earthly kingdom and all of its social and economic and even spiritual values would be disrupted and would be transformed into a world of God's design, a world of grace and justice and love for all people. And do we really want that change? If that is our true prayer and if we champion the power of prayer, then the greatest sign of trust that God will grant our request is to live as if it's already true. So looking at Jesus' life and teaching, we know that the kingdom of God means serving the least among us. It means sharing our food and resources with those who have none. It means inviting outcasts to dinner and reaching beyond social boundaries for the sake of inclusion. The kingdom of God means unity, breaking down barriers that divide, whether they be physical, financial, racial, ethnic, philosophical, or otherwise. It means banishing fear and oppression and doing the hard work toward peace that is based on justice. That's what we pray for when we say, your kingdom come. And what would it look like 
if we spoke and acted and lived as if we were daily brushing elbows with Jesus in doing the work of the kingdom of God. So this is another aspect of the power of prayer. Not only that God can grant our prayers, but that we shape our lives to match what we trust God will grant. When we live as if what we ask for is already true. When we pray, then, as Jesus taught us, we must also live as Jesus showed us. We must follow not only his teaching on prayer, but also his example of living. Prayer is a gift. Jesus' teaching on prayer is a gift. And the church now has this series of intentions and petitions that we have formalized into a standard prayer so that we can pray together uniting our voices as well as our hearts and minds in seeking God's will among us. So no, of course, this prayer that Jesus teaches is not simply a series of benign words to be recited by rote. This prayer is meant to change us, and this prayer is meant to change the world. Thy kingdom come indeed, and may it come quickly among us. Amen.